Good morning, church. How's everybody? Doing good? Welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us today and uh, at both of our campuses, and uh, we welcome you. And if you are a first-time guest, you can text the word guest to this number, and I'm going to use this number again, so just jot it down, uh, 662-493-2311. If you'll just uh, text the word guest, that will uh, help us tremendously, and uh, we welcome you. North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. If you believe that, church, give God another praise clap. I believe it. It is our, it is our vision. It's, it's the very heart, the core of who we are is to glorify God. So our vision at North Star is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations, this nation, that nation, all of the nations. And so that's who we are as a church, just to kind of let you know who, who we are. And uh, you can uh, go to our website, ns.church, and, and find out all about us. There's uh, brochures at the guest services that tell about our core values, our pathway to d- discipleship, and our growth tracks. And so I hope that you'll take advantage of, of that. Um, we, we, uh, we're going to be praying at the, at the end of the service for our team that's going to Kenya uh, a week from today. And so that's awesome. Uh, I just love you guys. I love this church, and I love what God is doing. I, I was thinking earlier today how, how we have four college students uh, that are, uh, have been on mission this summer in different places, two in Texas, one in Toledo, and uh, one in Florida right now. And what a blessing it is to be at a church where, where people believe in praying, giving, and going. Can I get an amen today? I mean, I just feel like you're going to give some amens today. Uh, speaking of serving, uh, I hung out with some, some incredible people yesterday uh, as they ministered to children um, in, a, in, a, uh, in a setting where they were receiving help, and just to, to watch our, our volunteers from both of our campuses just jump in and, and be a part of being the hands and the feet of Jesus. And if you want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus on June the 23rd, we're going to be going to the Baptist Children's Village. I can't remember the name of the town, but it's in the northwest part of the state. Uh, we, we went last year, and uh, it was awesome. We mowed a long time. It was a lot of grass to mow, and uh, we, we learned that we need more lawnmowers to go and more weed eaters, men or women, okay, can go. And if you could go on June the 23rd, uh, just text the word mow. Mow. Not M-O, Heath, M-O-W. All right, M-O-W. If you, type, if you text MO, I don't know what you're going to get, but if you text MOW, it'll sign you up. And that'll be on the 23rd. And guess what's coming up just like around the corner? Summer blast. So we're pumped about that. And uh, isn't it good to be a part of a church that's doing something? Man, it is. It is. We've been in uh, a series called... Um, core values. We're taking a break from that. We did the first five, and uh, 
I can't wait to come back to it, but we've got a brand new series next week starting at both campuses, and we're pumped about that. Um, today, I have come back to, though, and this may not be the last time that I do this this year, but I'm coming back to today the uh, previous series about the last days, all right? So we're going we're gonna to do that today. I, uh, we talked about how nobody knows when Jesus is coming again. Jesus said, I don't even know when I'm coming again. Only the Father in heaven knows. But there's one thing for certain, and that is that Jesus is coming again. All right? He is coming again. We don't know when. And it's, it's going to be in what is called the rapture. The rapture is not, the word rapture is not uh, actually in the Bible. You'll find the word caught up in the air with him. And it comes from a word that we get the word rapture from. But what it is, it talks about in the Bible how it's going to be suddenly, it's going to be like a thief in the night. There are going to be two people uh, plowing. Uh, one is going to be left, one is going to be taken. We don't know when Jesus is coming again, but we do know the signs. Because Scripture gives us some of the signs of, of his coming. And it seems like all of the signs are taking place simultaneously right now. Now, we may not be, we could be, uh, we may not be the last day's generation, because even in the Bible, they thought they were living in the last days. But I, I believe this, I believe we're closer to being the, the end time generation than we've ever been before. And whether it's in our lifetime, this is our last days. We don't know how long we're going to be on earth, right? But uh, we think that we could be in the end times, the last days, where we would be the last days, the end times, <coughs> excuse me, generation. I, I've said during the series that we don't know when Jesus is coming again, but we need to plan like he's not coming for a hundred years, but live like he's coming back today. Did y'all get that? Let's, let's live our lives and, and plan and evangelize and serve and work and and pray and get into the Word of God like uh, he's not coming back for a hundred years, but live our lives like he's coming back today. And so today we're going to be talking about a passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth concerning the last days. So if you brought your Bibles, uh, take them in turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read through, uh, beginning with verse 1, read through verse 11, all right? Follow along as I read. For we know that if the, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built with human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. In other words, Paul is saying, you know, our time on this earth is limited. We're, this is temporary. Look around the room at both campuses and those that are watching online. What you see is temporary. This body, praise God, is temporary. And he said, uh, because our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because... We do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. 
Verse 5, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in this body, we're away from the Lord. In other words, um, what he's saying is, if you got this body, you're away from the Lord, meaning you're not in heaven. If, if you're walking around on earth, that means you're not walking around in heaven. Is anybody feeling what I'm saying? So, so Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, I'm not, I, I want to go to heaven. I'm like Paul. I can't wait to get there. I'm just not ready like, to get on the bus today or anything to go to heaven, but I'm going. I am going to heaven. And, and so he, he continues and he says, uh, for we live by faith, not by sight. We're confident. I say and would prefer to be away from the body at home with the Lord and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are, we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due uh, for the things done while in the body. Okay, so while you're walking around on earth, there's, there are things that you and I need to be doing. That's, all, that's what he's saying. That's what we're going to kind of unpack today. He says uh, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others what is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain uh, to, your, to your conscience. And so, we're, we're living in the church age. The church age began at Pentecost. So uh, Jesus had already been crucified. Uh, he had already ascended. And he had sent his spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the, the church age actually began. It, it commenced with Pentecost, but it's going to conclude with the rapture. And so today we're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. Now when you talk about judgment, people get... Ooh, judgment. Ooh, that's, that's not a good subject. Well, this is not a bad subject, okay? It's, it's not going to be all, it's not bad. Uh, it's not the, I want to distinguish that it is not the great white throne judgment, okay? If you read that in the Bible, that uh, there's the, a judgment that takes place at the great white throne judgment of God. But let me tell you something, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there at that judgment, and it's a bad, it is a very bad judgment uh, because it, the unbelievers, those people who on earth, while on earth, rejected Jesus Christ, they're going to be standing at the great white throne judgment. Uh, if, if you're an unbeliever, you should be nervous because that's the judgment that unbelievers will stand before. But for me and all other followers of Christ, uh, after the rapture, there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. Again, the church age had a beginning, but the church age is going to have an ending. We're living in the church age, meaning we, the body of Christ, we're the church. Uh, so the church is made up of, of believers. And so this is a period now called the church age, but just as it had a beginning, it is going to have uh, an ending. Pentecost commenced it, the rapture is going to conclude it. Now, so all of this time, 
Jesus has been building his church. This is his church. Not with bricks, but with believers. Jesus has, has been building. He's uh, he seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit came and he indwells the believer. And all of these years, Jesus is constantly building up his church. He loves the church. That's why I love the church. Uh, when I say, we love you guys. When I say, I love you guys, it's because I love the church. And Jesus is built. That's why it's so important to invite people to church. That's why it's so important to share the good news of Jesus with somebody and to help them to, to get in and to plug into uh, to church. And, of course, we're partial we're to this church. We want people to come to this church. But any church, any church. And so Jesus has been building his church person by person. Not with bricks and mortar, but with believers. Now, after the rapture, again, the rapture is the catching away. It, the trump shall sound. He'll come as a thief in the night. The dead in Christ shall rise first. That means anybody who was a Christ follower who has already died, it says they're going to they're gonna rise out of the grave. You say, wow, is this in the Bible? Of course it's in the Bible. And believers are going to join them in the air. Say, wow, can you paint us a picture of that? I can't do it. And we're going to be with the Lord forever. But right after that, we're going to, as believers, we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. You see, this is what I know if you're taking notes. Not only are we responsible to Jesus while on this earth, right? We're going to be accountable to him in the next life. Yeah, we're responsible to him now of how we live, of how we talk, about uh, what we participate in, the kind of lifestyle that we live, the kind of work that we do in ministry. We're responsible to Jesus Christ. He said, you are the ones who are to take the work. You're the ones, church, my church, Jesus said, to, to carry out the work. And, and quite frankly, Jesus said, I want you to be faithful. And so we're responsible to Jesus now, but while we're living and breathing, but after this life, we're going to be accountable to him. Now, the Gospel of John, chapter 4. Listen to what John writes. These are the words of Jesus. Um, John, chapter, John chapter 5, verse 24. He says, Whoever hears my words and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from life to death now speaking of judgment real quick i just want to lay some groundwork they're going to be a believer is judged in three ways all right number one we're judged as sinners we're judged as sinners now that judgment has already taken place are you with me we're judged as sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the good news is Jesus has already, has already taken care of that judgment. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the, the penalty for the sins of every person, past, present, and future. That's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, There is therefore now... Now that Jesus died on the cross, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. 
I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for me. My sins have been, have been paid for on the cross. Now, that's one judgment. The second judgment is the judgment as son. We're going to be judged as sons. So what do you mean? Well, a parent uh, disciplines their children. Now, while all of our sins were taken care of on the cross, we, we still live in a fallen world, right? Just look around. We live in a, in a, in a fallen world. And so we're going to make mistakes. We were born sinners, but then we choose to sin. So you take both of those together. I'm born a sinner, and I choose to sin. I do both. And so because I do both, I, I sin, and I have to ask God's forgiveness. And I, I claim 1 John 1, 9 a lot if I confess my sins. He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. But it also says in Scripture that there are consequences to sin. You see, being saved, experiencing the grace of God, is not a liberty, a liberty to sin. You can't go sinning. You, can, uh, you just can't go off sinning. I heard somebody say, I sin all I want. I just don't want to. Well, that's true, you know. Uh, I don't want to sin. Uh, but sin has its built-in consequences, its built-in punishment, the Bible says that he chasteneth those that he loves. That means he, he disciplines those that he loves. So we have that judgment to contend with. And then third, we're judged as servants. Servants. And that judgment is going to take place at the judgment seat of Christ right after the rapture. And so let's get into the, to, uh, the message. I, there are three observations that I want to give you today, or four, uh, about this passage, back to Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 10. He says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about is, or the first observation is the believer's goal. The believer's goal. Paul says in verse uh, 9, he says, it is my, let's make it our, our goal to, to please him. He said, we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. So, if you're taking notes today, here's the first one, the believer's goal. What is the believer's goal? Well, according to the chief of sinners, this is Paul. This is what he called himself, by the way. I didn't call him that. He said, he said I, I'm the chief of sinners. And I'm thinking, if Paul was considered himself the chief of sinners, woe is me. <laughs> because Paul was like incredible... Uh, follower of Jesus Christ. But Paul said, um, look, my goal is to please Jesus. When I go to bed at night, Paul said, I want to please Jesus. When I, get up, when I get up in the morning, I want to please Jesus. I want to please Jesus with my thoughts. I want to please Jesus with my actions. I want to please Jesus with my decisions. I want to please Jesus with my family. And so Paul said, the believer's goal sh should be to please Jesus. Say, so, well, again, the judgment sounds a little scary. Well, not if you are a Christ follower and not if you're trying to please Jesus. <laughs> you know, uh, that doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. That doesn't mean you're not going to make a mistake. But if that is your goal, to get up in the morning and say, okay, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to please Jesus. Listen, listen to what this Jesus pleaser, uh, Paul, said in Galatians. He said, I am... 
am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? In other words, I'm not trying to please you guys. I'm trying to please God. Uh, what I do may not please you. I just want to be sure, you know, I can't help it. But I just want to make sure what I do pleases the one who matters. He says, or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to, to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So you might ask the question, so Terry, so how do we please Jesus? How can I know for certain? Uh, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But how can I know that I'm preparing for the judgment seat of Christ? Or can I even prepare for it? Of course you can. And so there are some ways that you can prepare, and that is uh, to, to please God. How do we please God? Let me give you a few ways. Number one is by sacrificing. So there you go again. You're asking us to sacrifice. Well, if you want to please God, you need to sacrifice. Romans 12:1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable act of worship. That's what Paul wrote in Romans. So sacrificing, giving of your, giving of your time, giving of your abilities, giving of uh, your resources uh, to the Lord. A living sacrifice. That means putting yourself on the altar as a living being and saying, God, today I, I want to give you everything. I want to give you my mind, my will, my emotions, my I want to give you my body. I want to give you everything. I want to sacrifice for you. I want to sacrifice, you name it, God. That's what I want to do. So you say, all right, so how do we prepare to please him? By, by sacrificing. Uh, second is by serving. Uh, just like I, we, we have a church who, this, this church is, has incredible volunteers. Uh, not only on the weekend, but on Sunday, but we have volunteers, just as I mentioned, that yesterday uh, went and, and spent time, hours, ministering to some children uh, that were going through a very difficult time in their lives. And uh, just like this mowing trip, you, you might think, you know, I don't want to go mow. Uh, if, if I could get a, a real nice, big, lawnmower to ride on. I don't mind mowing either. And I'm going to have one of those if I go mow, and I'm going. But it's, it's fun to, to serve. It's, it's wonderful to see the volunteers on, on weekends at both of our campuses that, that roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty. I'm talking, not, I'm talking figuratively. But they, they roll up their sleeves and they do what needs to be done because they want to serve God. They've got a servant's heart. They want to be like Jesus. They want to serve. That pleases Jesus. Paul wrote in, in uh, the book of Romans, he said in chapter 14, he said uh, that uh, I want to be this kind of servant. I want to be the one who, who takes the gospel. I want to be the one he said, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. He said, I'm doing this for God, though. He, he said, I, I, I'm doing whatever I do. I'm doing it for God. I'm not doing it to please people. I'm doing it for God. And then the third way to please him, and there are many, 
I'm just going to give you these, uh, is, is by separating your life. You know, I just quoted Romans 12.1. In 12.2 he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, that we need to be separate from the world. We need to look different than the world, act different from the world, do different than the world, separate ourselves, still living in the world, loving the world, the people of the world. But separating ourselves, that, my friend, pleases Jesus. Is that you live a, a separated life, a, a, a life holy uh, and acceptable unto God. In Ephesians, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of, in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we find out what, and find out what pleases the Lord. And so, again, in verse 9, he said, Make it your goal to please him in all that you do. Finally, uh, in my list anyway, is, is, uh, is sharing. Paul wrote uh, to a church in, in Philippi, and he talked about this. He, and, he, and what we need to do is, is be willing to be generous, not tip God. Because when we, this is not a tithing message, but it could be. It's actually a giving message because every message about Jesus is about giving, right? But we should be not reluctant to give to the Lord because when we give to the Lord, when we bring our tithes to the storehouse, it enables the church as a body to do ministry and to, 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 to buy pizza for kids on serve day. It enables us to go into the to the other places of the world. It enables us to, to, to uh, minister to all of the nearly 30 ministries that we have to deal with, that we have connections with. And so Paul said, uh, we should be sharing. That pleases God. In the book of Philippians, he says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, only you. And so Paul was writing this church, and he was saying, hey guys, thank you so much for faithfully giving to the Lord, and thank you so much for sharing with me, and that you have, Paul said, that you have enabled me to take the gospel to other places. You have enabled, because of your generosity, because of your willingness to share, you've enabled the gospel to go farther than it would have ever gone if you had not helped. Nobody else helped me, but you guys did, and I want to thank you. That's what Paul was, was saying. But I want to give you another observation. He says in, in verse 9, he says, For we make it our goal to please him, whether at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done in the body, whether it's good or bad. Uh, I read that twice because it needed to, to like, uh, hit home to us. We're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And so not only is that to be our, the believer's goal to please him, I want to tell you that there is going to be an appearance at the judgment seat of Christ. 
If you're taking notes, write that down. Not, not only the believer's goal, but the believer's appearance. Don't let that scare you. We're, we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I, I've been often asked, what does that look like? What does the judgment seat, what's it going to look like? I mean, how's it, what's the process? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have in my mind, uh, it's going to be a huge screen, a uh, video screen, and the things that were done that made a difference in eternity. You know what I'm talking about? When I did something that was good, and I was obedient, and I did it for the right reason, and I did it with the right motive, I think that's going to show up on the screen. But then on the other hand, I think in my mind that all the times in all of my years until I get to heaven that I did not make a difference, that I was not with the right attitude, that I didn't have the right motive, that's going to be uh, like white noise. That's just, that's just the way that I'm thinking about it. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, we're going to read a scripture in just a moment that kind of tells us uh, another picture of, of how that is. Uh, he, he writes in Romans 2, he says, This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. We are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a, a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though uh, only as one escaping through the flames. And so this is one of my favorite verses because it says, what, what are you building your life with? What, what materials? Think about it spiritually. What materials are you building your life with? Are you building them with gold and silver, precious stones? Or are you building them with hay and stubble? Hay and stubble on the day of judgment. At, uh, scripture says our works will be burned. The, the, the times that we've been wasted. We will be tested by fire. If, if what you did, hang with me, if what you did for the Lord was with the right motive, you had the right attitude, you didn't just sign up because we've made you feel guilty. <laughs> Amen? Don't raise your hand, but how many, how many have said yes and you really didn't want to do it? Uh, and and you, you, you were unhappy the whole time, and when you got through, you wish you hadn't done it. Uh, that's going to be burned. Uh, maybe you said yes, and you didn't want to do it, but after you started doing it, you were happy that you said yes. I think maybe, I'm not Jesus, but I think maybe that's going to have counted for something. But all of those times that we had the bad attitude, or that we didn't, respond. We didn't volunteer. We didn't participate. We didn't sing. We didn't give. That's going to be burned up. One of, one of our pastors, we were talking about this message the other day, one of our pastors said, um, how high, let me see how they said it, how high is the pile after it's burned up? I hope my pile is short. Okay? 
I know there's some things that will be burned up because it was wood, hay, and stubble, but I hope the ashes are just blown away, you know? Because I really want to build with the right things. All right, so let me give you a couple more. Uh, there is the appearance. Uh, there's the believer's goal. Then there's the, the believer's accountability. We are going to be held accountable. Say, what are we going to be held accountable for? Well, I have a short list. This is not an exhaustive list. I'm just going to give it to you quick. I'm not going to read a lot of scriptures here. Uh, number one, we're going to be held accountable for the way we treated people. I know we're all having a straight face right now, but aren't there some people in your life that you've not treated very well? You'd, you've not spoken kindly of. So, well, uh, never to their face. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, how you treated others. I, I believe we're going to be held accountable as a church, which is made up of individual believers. Did we invest in the ministries that were making the biggest difference? That's why we had volunteers show up yesterday and we're making a difference. I'm telling you, I, I think it's, it's how we treat others. Are we treating people with love? Are we taking the gospel? Not sharing the gospel with your neighbor, not inviting your neighbor to come to church, in my opinion, is not treating them very well. So well, they could go to any church. Yeah, but out of the... All of the Americans that don't go to church, 50% of them say that they would go if they were invited. What are you doing? How are you treating your neighbors? Second, we're going to be held accountable for the words that we speak. Now, I'm not just talking about cuss words. I'm from the country, and we say cuss words. Can I get a witness? Don't cuss at me. Just can I, amen or something. All right, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm... I'm talking about not just that, but I'm talking about the words that we speak about people and to people. We're going to be held accountable by our, our words. Jesus said in Matthew 12, he says, don't speak empty words. Don't, don't speak words that don't, don't make a difference. Everyone that is going to have to give an account of Jesus said, of every word that was spoken. That's, that's, that's heavy. Every word, every empty word that you've spoken. Wow. So it's not just talking about people or talking ugly to people. It's just wasting. You could be telling somebody about Jesus and you're, and you're just wasting words. They're idle. They're empty. Make a difference with what God has given to you. Another one is uh, our faithfulness. Our faithfulness. Our faithfulness to God with the, uh, uh, with the gift that He's given to us. Every believer has a gift. It's called spiritual gift. We teach this at Growth Track 3. 
We're going to be held accountable to our faithfulness to God, our gifts, our abilities, our, our talents, our, our treasure. How are you doing? What are you building with? Wood, hay, stubble, or, or precious stones, gold, and silver. Fourth, uh, we're going to be held accountable for our motive. I, I know I've touched on this a, a little already, so I'll just spend a second here. Our motive for doing what we do. Is it to get recognition? Is it because you feel guilty? Or is it because you love Jesus and you want to serve him? And then fifth, we're going to give an account of our, our time. Our time. I know. You ain't got to tell me. We live in one of the busiest cultures in human history. But we're going to give account of the way that we used our time for the glory of God. So today we've talked about the believer's goal, the, the, the believer's appearance at the judgment seat, the, the believer's accountability. One more. It's a quick one. You ready? The believer's reward. You see, the judgment seat of Christ, it teaches that we're going to be, Scripture teaches us that we're going to be rewarded according to the things that we've done. You see, we don't work to get into heaven. But our works follow us to heaven. And we're going to be rewarded for that. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm not a theologian uh, that could explain that to you. I don't know that anybody knows. But it's not going to be for our glory. Pastor, you mean we're going to get rewarded? Some going to get more than others? Yep. Well, what's that going to look like? Some going to have a bigger house than other people? I don't know. That's not, I don't believe that. But I, I don't know. I, I just know we're going to be rewarded. And the book of Revelation tells us that one day, listen to me, one day, we... At the end of time, after the rapture, after the judgment seat of Christ, after we've been rewarded, we're going to take our rewards, our crowns, and lay them at the feet of Jesus. You see, it's not building us up. It's to worship Him. It's to give back, to give glory to Him. Can I get an amen in the house? I want to please him I'm going to be accountable to him because I'm going to appear before him and I'm going to be rewarded from him so that I can give back to him Father thank you for today thank you for the word and God how it it just comes alive and speaks into our spirit and our soul If you realize today that you've never been born again, we want you to be born again. You can't be saved unless the Spirit is drawing you. But I believe even right now, listening, the Spirit of God is drawing somebody to himself.
if you've never had entered into a relationship with him, I want to lead you in a prayer, and I want to tell you up front, it's not just repeating words. It's a, it's a declaration from your heart that you can use prayer as a, as a way to articulate it. And you can say something like, like this, dear, dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again on the third day. Today I repent. I turn from my sins and I turn to Jesus. Come into my heart. I put my trust in you as Savior and I follow you today as Lord. Maybe your prayer today as a Christ follower, Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be ready to meet you. I want to be pleasing you now and when you come. I'm going to ask everybody at both campuses to please stand with me. I just want to pray over you as we prepare for this uh, time of worship. Father, thank you so much for meeting us here today. Thank you, God, for uh, the Word of God that teaches us and uh, helps us to grow, that helps us to, to conform to your image. God, I just pray uh, in these closing moments that you would just uh, speak to our hearts. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name.